In this episode of The Full Nerd, RTX 3080 crashing. Oh, damn it, I screwed that up. I was going to say something else. All right, here we go. In this episode of The Full Nerd, RTX 3080 shouting. No, okay, that doesn't work either. Okay, here we go. This one's going to work. In this episode of The Full Nerd, RTX 3080 crashing and Zen 3 rumors. Welcome to the Full Nerd episode 153. I'm your host, Gord Mong, with co-host Brad Charkis. Hello, Internet. Special guest, Brian Stroh of BPS Customs. What's going on, guys? And Adam Patrick Murray is going to be running the horizontal and verticals today. You know, I'm really bummed we're not talking about the big release of the week, uh, Razor's Respawn Gum uh, that I have here. <laughs> you know, it's, Really? Uh, How yeah, come I didn't get any? Well, it's a real I didn't bummer. get any either. Yeah, well... You know, you, you, you tried the your influence in game. Yeah. I, I got the uh, I got the press release, and I was like, mm, you know what? I, I'm going to pass on this one. I think. <laughs> you know, I, actually, I, the the drink wasn't too bad. It wasn't. Yeah, the drink wasn't bad. But so one thing you have to realize about gum for people who don't know, because I did research this, not even knowing about the razor gum, is uh, basically the cap things that absorb through your gums get immediately into your bloodstream faster than drinking a drink, right? So it goes straight into your bloodstream. So basically caffeinated gum or energy gum, as they call it, uh, will wake you up in a hurry. And the fact that it's in a gum is probably the fastest way to wake you up. Yeah, maybe Good to I'll, know I'll if I'm like that. losing a CSGO match halfway through or something. Yeah, maybe I'll pop one of these uh, babies in my mouth and I'll just start screaming about the RTX 3080, right? That nobody can uh, get no. a hold of. Before we actually talk about that, I oh. just want to talk about Brian's channel for a second. Oh, BPS yeah. Customs oh, yeah. on YouTube. I'm, I'm all about that. Let's do that. Yeah. So, I mean, Brian can tell you what he does better than any of us, but he, he you know, reviews hardware. He has a bunch of overclocking and uh, reviews of the RTX 3080 that just went up over the past week. Uh, but the reason I personally like his channel a whole lot is because BPS Customs, he, he builds custom PCs all the time. And the thing that I really like about it, as opposed to a lot of other videos where they do, you know, the porn shots, you know, the glamour shots, and they just run performance numbers. Brian actually runs through practical applications of all the stuff. He'll tell you, hey, you know, this, you know, is kind of choking this out of the default configuration. But if you change this thing around, you'll get higher frame rates, or you'll get quieter noises. And this is the particular issues I ran into with this build. And I, I just really love that, you know, keeping it at the people's level. Yeah, thanks, Brad. I actually... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I made I made that change. Uh, I used to do almost specific, almost exclusively like reviews, like a lot of tech people are doing on YouTube, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the more information yeah. that's out there, the better. But I found that my audience really wanted more, like you said, like practical, real world stuff. So I said, okay, well, instead of me testing this graphics card in an open air bench, let's put it in a system. Let's see how a system would perform. And so I, tr I kind of migrated my content to almost exclusively now system builds where I could test this processor with this cooler and this GPU in a box and see what it gives you as far as performance goes and what you, what issues you might encounter. So um, thanks, man. That means a lot. Yeah. It's valuable stuff. And I, I, you don't often see it everywhere else. So I just wanted to make sure you got a shout out about that. Cause I watch you drop a video a week, right? One, I, I watch them yep. as soon as they come out. So appreciate it. it. 
Yeah. But anyway, yeah, up, let's uh, talk about the 3080. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah let's uh, do it. if you want a, a link to his uh, his channel, it's in the description. Um, but yeah, the, the definitely give him a sub. Yeah, I know, Brian. You did some uh, testing of the 3080. Have Have you I found did. crashes? So I actually, I've had, I've kind of struggled with this whole like past news cycle because I haven't personally had any experience with with any crashing. Like I, I have a couple samples here, and I did. The only time that I ever got any of my cards to crash is when I was trying to do some pretty ridiculous overclocking, which is normal. Like you, I just expected that, but in. Um, regular use i haven't had any crashing at all and that's not to discount the people that are experiencing this clearly it's an issue um, but i haven't had any a real avenue to talk about it because i don't have anything any anything to draw from um so my cards have been stable and honestly excellent um as 3080s are as i'm sure you guys know um so i haven't had any problems personally but i, I mean i've certainly been paying attention and i did some I did some reading up on, you know, what the issues were when they first started popping up. So, um, you know, I feel for people who had spent went out and like spent three days in front of a micro center and spent $800 on a graphics card. And then they come home and they can't play their favorite game. That's awful. That's gotta be a terrible feeling. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Have you had any crashes? I have actually, because, uh, before we get too far into this, uh, it's a pretty complicated subject. It, a lot of the talk revolves around boost speeds and different capacitor types used by different vendors. Uh, I have a guide on the site, uh, pcworld.com. RTX 3080 crash is what you need to know. I tried to write it in a way that normal people could understand it. So if you need to catch up on all that stuff, go read that. Uh, Igor at Igor's Lab did a good article diving technically into it. Jay's Two Cents did a good video summarizing what Igor said, basically. Uh, but basically... A lot of RTX 3080s are not a lot. I take that back 100%. Some people who bought 3080s are experiencing crashes in games, and it seems to be as clock speeds boost higher. Like if you get close to the two gigahertz barrier, barrier, that's when people are seeing this. And a lot of speculation is tied to whether they're using a certain capacitor on the back of the GPU called MLCC or POS caps or SP caps. Uh, I fortunately. Uh, have a card here that I was able to reliably produce crashing with. Uh, EVGA put out a statement after all this blew up this weekend. Uh, the reason it's for the Win 3 card was delayed is because the original models had full POS caps, which is ironic considering all the debate around it, uh, POS caps configuration. Uh, and they found that it didn't pass real-world reliability tests. So they delayed the card. All the cards you can actually buy have the MLC capacitors. They should be stable as hell. I'm uh, actually getting one tomorrow, so I have a review up soon. But in the rush to get cards to reviewers, uh, they sent some of us. I have one right here. You can see these black caps on the back. Those are the POS caps in question. Yeah. Uh, so I have a card here, and I couldn't get it to crash in anything except for Horizon Zero Dawn at 1440p. And it consistently crashed every time I ran that benchmark. Uh, it would crash the display driver. It would crash the game. It would lock up for a few minutes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The issue would be it would hang out at about 2,010 megahertz throughout the time. Uh, then there was a particular scene that spiked it up to 225. Crash. NVIDIA just put out new drivers yesterday uh 456.55 game ready drivers if you have an rtx 3080 and you're experiencing these crashes go download and install that driver right now uh it fixed all the crashing issues i had with this card i have a article about that 
on the site up that I posted yesterday, uh, it fixes it. Uh, it going through uh, the NVIDIA subreddit uh, and looking at some reports from other tech reviewers who were able to do stuff like this. Uh, they're all saying the crashes are mostly, if not all, fixed. Uh, I saw no change in performance. The top-end boost clocks were dialed back. So whereas before this was running just over 2,000 megahertz, now it's running just under 2,000 megahertz. Uh, over at Hardware Lux, they're saying uh, they're seeing changes in the voltage curve with the new drivers, so that would explain it. Uh, but the bottom line for people is if you're having these issues, we don't know how widespread they are. We still don't know what's causing them, uh, but the drivers will fix them. So is yeah, there a I, chance, pe- people are asking in the chat, is there a chance it's just because um, you know most of these or a lot of these cards went to reviewers and... Uh, that's where we're going to see a lot of the problems and that maybe the end users aren't going to have as many problems or that's the issue with, uh, with reports, right? Like Der Bauer did a good video doing all this. He, he just dis- basically dismisses the POS cap versus MLCC claims. He, he, he says, you know, if a thousand people buy this card and you know, 20 people, it doesn't work for, they, they would go make a big stink and you know, it sucks for those 20 people. But for the 990 people who didn't have an issue, they're just gaming happily. So we have no idea how big this is. We do know that, obviously, EVGA delayed its cards to get the different capacitors on the back. Uh, So, yeah. I think that the bigger issue here might actually be um, with NVIDIA's timing of information released to board partners. Yeah. Um, I I actually, right before we we, uh, popped on this... Uh, live stream i uh, i saw that steve posted a video and i didn't get a chance to watch it it's gamers nexus and um i didn't get a chance to watch it but i saw the title and i'm like oh he's going to talk about exactly what i've been thinking for the past couple of days is that in in speaking with um board partners before the launch they didn't have anything they had no drivers they had no some marketing teams had no information on the cards they were going to get until the day before the launch like that's just absurd. Like there's, there's gotta be some kind of accountability on the NVIDIA's end for protecting this information for too long, like, and then co- causing the board partners to have to rush this launch and not giving them adequate time to test. Well, so I, I actually, probably since I actually had time, I did watch Steve's video. It's crazy. Cause he does it while he's mountain biking, but he basically <laughs> says, Classic um, Steve. the, the board vendors, uh, that he talked to, uh, and he's well sourced, obviously. Basically, like you said, they had no drivers, and the drivers they did get for validation were basically they could run 3D Mark and it could run Furmark. And the reason, of course, is because of leaks. Uh, board partners are the ones that NVIDIA believes leak a lot of performance stuff to the media. Mm. And so they basically limited people who are building and selling these cards. If they lock them in a box, they would limit the amount of leaks that would happen and that's sort of what drove this and uh steve Dell also does think I'll, I'll summarize it he didn't think the caps are necessarily an issue because he set a world record using the pos caps so it's you know it's it's really a, a no one really knows exactly what the issue is but it really does feel like nvidia's attempt to control the leaks is what what hurt the board partners because they couldn't really validate their designs and time to really get them to market. And what sucks about that doubly is that uh, like all these driver issues, if if these crashing issues, uh, 
NVIDIA looks like it was largely able to fix that with a simple driver fix. And if, in fact, you know, the board partners did get these super late, which is also what I've been hearing, and, you know, had time to test their things and get their, you know, test the actual working drivers with enough time to prepare all this, NVIDIA could have had this working driver that they just released yesterday as their day zero release. So none of this would have been an issue if this driver yesterday would have been the initial launch driver. Uh, which, you know, it just sucks. <laughs> yeah. And but they also, didn't know that though. Yeah. You, you also have the issue where like people are blaming the, the, you know, the POS caps versus MLCCs. And a lot of people are just kind of putting it out there without really having the information as far as what was going on. Like the, the six POS cap version of these cards is the reference spec, right? Like NVIDIA put this out there to board partners saying here, build our cards with this spec. And then they did that and then they crashed. So I don't, I mean, like if that was the reason, then man, that is a huge problem with some kind of, with NVIDIA's electrical engineering team or whoever put that board together. I don't, I wouldn't understand if, if that was the only thing that was the problem. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Yep. I, I think that in general, I got into this a little bit in my crashing article. I think in general, it's just, it's clear to me that NVIDIA is riding these like hot and heavy to get them as fast as they can go. And it feels like the something in the power delivery system is takes a lot. Like between everything that Seuss was saying pre-launch uh, about the ROGS tricks, having the power indicators telling you if the uh, uh, power supply was giving you power, uh, between all this cap issues, uh, between the fact that Asus did in fact go to all MLCC designs on its own cards, uh, something just seems like the power delivery seems very complicated in this. And I, I think it's just stuff shaking out from there somehow. Also, we have somebody in the chat, Timothy, saying that uh, Buildzoid seemed to think that the crashing could be due to the core ramping up too fast. Uh, so mm-hmm. perhaps a slower clock speed change could, is the fix as well. Yep. So, yeah. For what it's worth, after I published my article, NVIDIA wrote me back to say they would still wouldn't tell me exactly what the stability changes in the new driver are. But they said that they did not put a hard two gigahertz limit on these cards. So they're not limiting clock speeds like hard that way. Hmm. Okay. Uh, real quick. Uh, I do want to shout out a, a couple super chats. Uh, Paul, the bearded one uh, said, Oh, Hey, it's Brian. What ups? What's up my man? Top guy. <laughs> everyone should sub. Uh, thank you for the super chat. Uh, so for some reason, Brian's getting us super chats. So you should go give your money <laughs> on his channel. Very welcome. Uh, Eskimonster gave us uh, 20 Danish crones with some hearts. Uh, thank you. And Evocati Productions gave us two bucks and said, hey, it's Brian. I know that guy. What up, nerd? Uh, now, now he's a full nerd. So I am. I am. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And uh, I'll expect you could like uh, cash at me. Uh, afterwards exactly <laughs> venmo right yeah 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 venmo whatever so i i have a question for you because i mean clearly uh, nvidia is getting the brunt of this because people are saying well you should include in your partners and all this stuff let me let me play devil's advocate here but how much of this is the leak culture that we've built up and that the entire you know enthusiast community gamer community feeds on now you know leaks are big money Big traffic. Everybody's super excited about them. Everybody wants to run to Reddit immediately and Twitter about them. NVIDIA makes money and Intel and AMD, they make money by selling product and also keeping their stockholders happy. When leaks get out there, you, 
you know, it can get out of control. It can really, you know, your competitors can respond to it. It's really bad for companies to not have control of the information that they've worked very hard on. How much of that is the leak culture that we built up where everybody wants to hear every single thing, whether it's true or not. And that NVIDIA really has to like, look, and I've heard this from Intel, they give you a chipset and they know it's going to be on the internet hours later, right? It's just, there's nothing they can do about it. And it drives them nuts because they can't control what they're doing. Definitely. It's true. funny because we're going to talk about rumors next. Go ahead, Brad. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, that's definitely true, Gordon. I, and I, I think that the problem with examining it from that angle is that I don't think we're going to change that people's thirst for information is not, especially with, increased um speed that the information travels now like there's really no satiating that anymore right i think i would rather if i was a company like nvidia with honestly a lot to lose here like you have the market rushed and if you come out with a product that alienates some of your base while AMD is going to launch something else very soon. Like you could lose a giant chunk of market share for no reason because the 3080 is a really good product. And so I think if I was NVIDIA, I would rather lean more on this is a good product. Let us launch a good product without issues than have to say we can't leak anything and have that be the reason that we now have issues after launch. Yeah, I, I, I largely agree with that, actually. I if the lease came out and they said, Hey, this thing is, you know, 80% faster than the 2080 was great. That's a good leak. That's, you know, good marketing. Uh, my issue with it is I understand the want and need to control leaks. Cause that, that can be really damaging for these companies. But at this point, the cards were held so closely to the chest that it seems like it's affecting performance for actual people buying the cards, at least for this first week or two. And I think that's the line you shouldn't cross. Like you should control leaks as much as possible, but still need to make sure that the things that people buy work. And I do think that, you know, the number of people who were having crashes is probably pretty small. We have no idea, but I mean, it's not like an overwhelming number that I've seen on reddit and stuff like that there are definitely lots of them but it's not like every person who bought one of these cards is on reddit saying it's crashing uh but yeah <laughs> i know that i know that to be a fact brad because nobody could get the cards anyway so in fact people actually should feel good for this because if you're a if you're a bot farmer and you have 40 of these you know doesn't it hurt them? I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, question from the chat. Where where can they get one if they did want one of these? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I just do. I do think it's really a, such a problem because I understand like, well, if a board partner leaks, somebody in their factory leaks performance number out, that's what, how's that going to hurt anything? You give AMD an extra three weeks to go like, oh, we need to rethink how we're going to launch our product against this that can have a huge impact on how the lifetime of these, these cards sell against AMD, right? That, that can cause a huge damage to them as well. Yeah. I, uh, especially because of the, the timing of this launch with, you know, AMD having, we have basically a month until we see what's going on with AMD's GPU division. And right now they are all scrambling around their office saying, how do we avoid doing this exact same thing? How do we 
improve on this experience for people? How do we leverage this for ourselves? And how do we uh, market the our cards as being improved over what NVIDIA just launched because they're not going to crash or they're not going to have shortages? Even if they have to, at this point, push the launch out, say, say that, okay, we want to have some stock. Let's, let's delay the launch two weeks and build up a little bit of stock. I think that is absolutely the best thing that they could do right now to have a better experience at launch to, to make sure that people who want the cards can get them and that they work. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that AMD will find a way to make a, a, a burn on NVIDIA because how could you not, right? How could you not if you're AMD at this point, but it is a little dangerous to, to talk about crashing on your card. And then if you come out and there is an sure. issue, <laughs> Especially well, given their real, their driver history, I exactly, guess. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say that. A couple people bring that up, but there, I mean, there's plenty of people in the chat being like, they, you know, Nvidia needs competition. That's you know, it keeps them keeps them straight. So hopefully, uh, we talked about this before, but I just the way everything's going on, I kind of get the feeling that Big Navi might be all right. Like Nvidia's, I'm not sure if it's because of the eight nanometer process, what they can get out of Samsung, or is because what they kind of Nvidia has very good sources itself. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason why they push in these as hard as they can is because they know what's coming from AMD. They've seen the leaks that say it's X percent faster than the 2080 already. I'm sure they have sources. So I'm actually very interested to see what Radeon does in response to this next month. Yeah, uh, it's, always, it's always easier to launch after, too, because NVIDIA or AMD, if they don't, they either have like, oh, damn, we have 3080 performance. And if they're lower, they just simply lower the price, right? So... It's easier rather than launching first and like, oh, yeah, we're actually lower in performance than the product that comes out after us. Um, Evocati Productions gave us uh, another super chat. $5. Thank you. Uh, good, sir. It said, uh, I'm pretty sure the discussion is going to go towards PSUs. The transient loads in this card are hitting as high as a, uh, as 650 watts on a 320-watt card. So what, what, do, what do we think for uh, power supplies in this whole uh, overarching discussion? Well, I, I most I, I want to hear Brian's opinion because he does a lot of builds. I know Brad is in that Atlanta camp of used the twelve dollar part, but uh, I've in the old days I've always been in favor of over provisioning. That's why one kilowatt power supplies were great. Nobody really wants to buy one kilowatt power supplies anymore, except for miners. But do you over provision on your builds, Brian, or do you I, go for lower end? I always I always recommend that people do that. Um, I certainly have some builds that I do that are skewed more towards the budget end of things where I said, okay, well, we can get away with it and we're trying to save money, okay? But in general, when I'm building something, yeah, I am trying to, uh, trying to over-provision my power supply and I'd much rather put an 850 watt power supply in a build that needs a 750 versus going for, you know, something a little bit less. Um, even if it's spending a little bit more money because you're just, especially because of like the power efficiency curve of power supplies. And I mean, they're going to peak between what 50 and 60% efficiency, uh, 50 percent, 60% usage for best efficiency. So like, I don't know. I can't usually recommend uh, a low end power supply in a build. It's very hard for me to do that unless I said like, I'm trying to go for like a $300 PC or something, you know? Um, but yeah, I, most of my builds have power supplies when I'm running down my parts list where I tell people uh, don't, you don't need this, um, but it's a good idea. So that's, that's usually how I try to approach it. Yeah. I agree. I have uh, actually have in my personal system an EVGA 650 watts platinum power supply uh, because, you know, GPUs and CPUs have been getting more efficient as the years go on. 
until now. Uh, I did throw a 3080 in there and it worked fine for the Founders Edition for, uh, you know, a couple nights of gaming, different resolutions. But if it was going to be in my full-time system, I would definitely at least want to get at least 750 watts, the base spec that NVIDIA recommends. I have a 1300 in mine. <laughs> I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> I have that in our testing rig, but not, yeah. not my personal rig. And also, of course, not just the wattage rating, because that's just a sticker, but you want to go with a, a known brand, too. That I think that's a that's a known brand. Help. Get 80 plus. I always get the best 80 plus at least power supply that you can get. Like I said, I have a platinum because I am all about power supply efficiency. Uh, but at least get 80 plus bronze, I would say, especially if you're if you're putting a seven hundred dollar plus card in your system. I mean, don't cheap out on the power supply. You don't want that to be the issue. I agree. Also, There's also, a- it's going to be something that's going to last for, for a while too, right? I mean, you don't want to have to swap out power supplies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always try to tell people that they want to make sure that their systems are balanced. So you don't want to go putting um, a ridiculous GPU in a system with like a Ryzen 3 or like some kind of Pentium chip or something. That doesn't make any sense. Um, and one of the things that I always want to, make sure that people understand is that balancing it, it involves like having balanced components in all aspects of the system, including the power supply. So um, make sure that your power supply works with the components that you have and provides enough power and enough uh, room for upgrades in the future. Because like you said, like power supplies could last for 10 years plus. So. Nice. Well, uh, what, what kind of, what kind of further testing you gonna, you, you're going to be doing with, uh, with these cards, Brad, what can we look forward to? Uh, I'm going to have a review of the production model, so not this one, uh, EVGA for the win three this week. Uh, and then after that, I'm probably just going to start benchmarking all the 20 series cards in advance of the 3070 launch mid-month. Because if I can not work 80 plus hour weeks for a few weeks, that'll be great. I'd rather get that out of the way now. <laughs> and what about you, Brian? What, what kind of stuff you yeah. got coming up for it? I have, uh, well, I'm still waiting on some of my samples, which have not yet arrived and just due to shortages, like, you know, nobody has the cards, but um, I've been trying to, for this launch, not necessarily only do builds with these cards because I know people do want to see specific testing, but when my 3090 arrives, I want to do some uh, some production testing because that's what I do with my machine. So I'd like to see, you know, how it does in tasks versus the 3080 versus the 2080 Ti. Uh, and then I actually have some uh, XOC stuff that I want to do. Um, so I've talked to a couple of partners to, to to do some work with that. So um, just, I mean, I know Steve is all over that always, um, but um, it looks like fun. So I think I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do some too, and uh, I think I'm going to try to get to uh, to loop in the uh, the processor with that as well. So um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but I hope provides some interesting content because like stuff like that, yeah, it's fun for me to do. And on the surface, it might look like oh, he's just trying to break a record or something, but it provides information to the user, like tem- temperature scaling, like performance with temperature scaling, and like uh, and uh, voltage and and all that. So like you 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 get to see how the chips and the graphics cards are going to scale with better thermals. And that applies not only to sub zero thermals, but just better coolers on cards, or if you want to put a water block on the card. Um, so I think it's applicable and I hope people enjoy it. Cause I know I, I do. So. Yeah, that is, it is actually very valuable because 
you know, last generation as well, but especially with this generation, like uh, cooling is the big differentiator. Overclocking is a big differentiator. Like those overclocking features are the reason to buy some of these higher end models, like uh, for the Win Three, because uh, the base performance is so good. So it really like the cooling matters. So pushing as hard as you can really gives you good insight into the best options there. Yeah. I'd recommend that people do that. Like, even if they don't want, I don't run my card overclocked in my system. Mm -hmm. It's stock, but like, I would recommend if you buy one overclock your card, see what it could do, see what it means for your, the performance and the cooling and see, you know, I think it's good for people to do that kind of stuff. Even if you're not going to do it every day. I like to do that because then what I like to do, like I tend to hold on to my parts for a few years uh, in my personal system. And so what I do is I'll overclock it and see where it can go. And then a couple of years from now, if something starts to get a little bit slow, I'm like, all right, now I know what I can overclock it to. And I know what else I can get. And then I get like an extra year of performance out of it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and also side note with that newest update um, or the newest uh, driver uh, from NVIDIA also had that new um, low latency mode. What, what was that yeah. called? NVIDIA Reflex. They no. just added it to the Call of Duty games. Yeah, can you tell? I, I was curious. I'm Question from the chat for Adam Patrick Murray. Well, what's what's <laughs> with this Reflex thing? What's going on there? Uh, so Reflex basically uh, it makes it so that it flushes away the, the, the frames that are held between the CPU and the GPU rendering it. Uh, it basically just says, hey, we're just going to render these frames and flesh out that middle part. So the idea is that, you know, you click a button and it shows up on the screen much sooner by getting rid of that render queue in the middle. Uh, NVIDIA says it works really well. Uh, I haven't had a chance to actually test it very much, but I know it's in the Call of Duty games now. Uh, it's in Fortnite. It's in Apex Legends. If you're like a pro gamer or want to be pro gamer or just a tryhard. Uh, then you might want to check it out. I haven't done much testing with it. So, so this is something a developer has to enable on their end as well. Like it's not. Yes. Just... Okay. Yep. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, the developer has to enable it via NVIDIA's API. Uh, a bunch of the top esports shooting games are going to be supporting it. Like Apex Legends has it. Uh, the Call of Duty games have it. Uh, I know all Valorant, I believe, has it. So if you play shooting games, you might as well give it a shot. It's just a feature you can flip on and try in GeForce Experience. So if you think you'll like it, give it a shot. Okay. Interesting. Uh, you know, but, but you know, with these new graphics cards, people are, are hoping to get a new CPU that can uh, match them as well. We got all these questions about what, uh, what kind of CPU pairs well with an RTX 3080, but maybe, maybe Zen 3? That's a great segue, Adam, but I'm going to ruin it because I have one last question. Can oh, I ask you okay. a question? Yeah. I want to ask because both of you have, you know, you, unlike me, who is, I don't, the only 3080 I've ever seen is in pictures. Do you think, how bad do you think this has hurt the launch of the 3080? Because, you know, you're going to have people saying, oh my God, it's like totally screwed it up. And then this is just like a small, you know, bump in the road and we're just going to be back to com people complaining they just can't buy the damn things. Yeah. After you, I, I uh, Gordon. I think you you mean you're referring to how badly does this whole driver issue and the crashing issue, yeah, right, affect the launch? Um, I think that it's uh, I think it's a speed bump. I think the the, I think people who were, um, really gung ho about getting one of these cards are going to get one. I I think that they'll see that the drivers largely um fix the problem or enough to the point where they're just not going to care i mean considering that 
I haven't seen any any 3080s or 3090s for sale anywhere means that as soon as they go up, they're gone. Like there's still a huge demand for these cards and the performance that they're putting up is something that that people are going to be able to look at and justify, okay, there's a little issue. I'll get over it because my game is running like so ridiculously well versus my old card. So I think that they're going to lose more people to availability issues than to the crashing issues. Um, I've seen a lot of comments that, uh, okay, AMD's launching something and I can't get an NVIDIA card. Let's just wait and we'll see what NVIDIA, with, what AMD's launching um, versus uh, all these crashing issues. I'm not going to buy an NVIDIA card. I, I don't, I've seen very few people actually say that. So I think it's not going to, I think, I don't think it's going to cause a big problem for them. This specifically, I don't think so. I totally agree with every part of that. Cool. Now I now I can go back to to Adam's segue. Gosh, you know, when I get my 3080, Adam. Yeah. What I are you, sure you going to pair a really it with? Fast CPU to pair it with. I wonder what what that could be. Wait. So you know, my these new Zen, CPUs are going to be faster. Zen three, Spoilers. maybe. Right. Yeah. Spoiler. We don't know. Sure. Again, we talked about the leak culture we're in. You want to hear about the leaks? I will say, though, this is from um, a well-respected source, PC Welt. Uh, it's from this, you know, our, it's actually from our, our cousin over in Germany. Uh, they're basically having, a, they have a source that have told them that the Ryzen 9 5900X, of course, Zen 3, will have a TDP of 150 watts, right up to 5 gigahertz, and offer a 20% IPC uplift over, you know, uh, Zen two so basically you know that in my view it was like because i was just talking with jason cross over at mac world about this because he's thinking about building a new ryzen system he's like damn this is like this feels like what you, what's intel gonna do it's like yeah this is this will put intel's 14 nanometer parts if it's true in their grave now we know they've been just hobbling along for a long time the one thing that i think intel has had is clock speed, clock speed, clock speed. And if these Zen 3 parts and their IPC come through, then what the hell would you ever want to buy an Intel part for, right? Yeah, we'll have to see. There was actually, there was another uh, uh, rumor I saw this morning, not rumor, uh, but, you know, uh, some sort of AMD chip popped up on uh, Ashes of the Singularity benchmark and wound up uh, 19% faster than the 10900K. But, that's a heavily multi-threaded thing. So yeah, I don't know how re- I don't know how reliable that's going to be as far as yeah. translating to to actual games because that's yeah. not an actual game. Yeah, but that's <laughs> that, that's the other interesting part of all these leaks because something like this, you know, they always seem to turn up first in Ashes of the Singularity, which is really good for AMD parts. What a coincidence! <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm I'm sure Brian, you've run it. Um, you have to actually there's a checkbox that for to upload not, to results. Not connect. To, well, no, it's not even that, but it's like unchecked upload results to the internet i mean i mean yeah. it's hard to believe that people are not doing that intentionally right it feels one thing i will say about that leak from this morning about you know ashes of the singularity escalation is um you don't know what conditions was that liquid nitrogen was it heavily overclocked was it you know with you know cheddar cheese on it we don't know so it's really hard to judge and and, and as brian said it's it's a it's a little bit of a it's a hard benchmark to read necessarily because 
you never know what it's, you know, making it go faster. I wouldn't, I would probably put less in that rather than PC. Well, basically having mm-hmm. a source tell them five gigahertz Zen three, which is like, oh, damn, right? Because five gigahertz Zen part, not much room left for Intel. Well, I mean, just imagine that it, or just think back, I guess, to like Zen one versus Zen plus, right? That was a, a slight IPC improvements like clock speed improvement. And then you're going to try to have the same thing happen here with, um, with Zen two to Zen three, because you're probably going to get the same configuration of cores and threads on these parts. Uh, my speculation, I don't have any inside information right now, but you're going to end up with, you know, a 5900X that's got 12 cores. And just imagine a 3900X running at five gigahertz. Like mm. that ship smokes a, a 10900K, right? right. So imagine like you're getting better IPC and faster clock speeds. If they could pull that off, then, I mean, Intel's already in a hole. They're, they're going to have to prove themselves all over again. Like at, at this point right now, they could release a part. They could release a new CPU that's say 10 nanometers or whatever it is and provides good, a good performance bump over uh, the 10900K. And people are like, all right, we, we dig it. But like if they just get buried by the next amd launch and they come out and they're like this part is better we promise like people might not believe them you know they might not even pull them out of the hole at that point so yeah that that would be that's going to be interesting to see yeah and you know for me it's interesting because i just you know finished a ton of tiger lake coverage tiger lake laptop ultrabook cpu is it ain't no joke it's a seriously good cpu but it really made me realize how those 14 nanometer intel parts in gaming laptops are just like those things are going to look so ancient when you know you actually finally get a rising part with a good high-end gpu with it or when intel's own 10 nanometer plus parts come out i know they don't call it plus anymore but when you get to an intel 10 nanometer part in a gaming laptop it's just going to probably smoke so i those 14 nanometer gaming laptops well frankly the only choice in the world if you want gaming i like ah they are really gonna look old and i kind of like now i'm looking at like 14 nanometer desktop parts up against this <laughs> part and you know it just feels like it's just gonna look really really old when this part yeah. comes out. the uh the last gen the 3000 series resin chips got pretty close to intel in ipc if i remember correctly depending on which one you're looking at yeah. uh if AMD does manage to hit five gigahertz and does manage to push IPC up even higher, uh, I'm looking to upgrade our GPU testing system. It could be AMD based for the very next time if all those rumors end up being true. I mean, they have PCIe 4. If they can close that gaming gap that's bugged them since first gen, right. uh, AMD is looking pretty compelling if it all shakes out. Yeah, I yeah, know. What, of- I, what I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What I want to see is if what I would love to see at that October 8th event is if these chips do hit all those specs that the rumors say, and they do manage to beat the 10900K in IPC match at five gigahertz, you know, just kick ass as a gaming chip. And if they are feeling very strongly with what they have with the Radeon GPUs, I would like them to do a teaser at that event running a game on Ryzen Zen 3. And an unannounced, you know, Radeon 6000 GPU that we're going to give you more details on later this month. Here's it running in a game that 
everybody has tested and knows Intel 10900K and NVIDIA kicks ass at. Here's it running on a 10900K and a 3080. Here's what you get with Zen 3 and Radeon. I would love to see that. <laughs> that would be interesting. Do you think that's a good idea, though? Because, I mean, as we know, with game launches and hardware launches, every hour counts. Do they really want to show their hand? It's like it's high stakes poker, right? NVIDIA's cards are already launched at this point. <laughs> well, all of the NVIDIA cards that we know of are launched at this point. So if they show off something, mm-hmm. NVIDIA is going to go, oh, well, you mm-hmm. just showed us that card. We got a card of our own. Isn't that a bad idea if you really like want a, to get like into a 3080 that Ti? <laughs> I, I think it would get them hyped. I think that would be a good marketing move against both Intel and NVIDIA, and I would love to see it. AMD has never been one to shy away from, you know, bold marketing claims and hype. So that, that would yeah. be a mic drop moment for me on their stream if they decided to do something like that. That would yeah. certainly generate, generate a, lot of, uh, a lot of press coverage and a lot of, a lot of talk. Um, I guess it, de- it would depend on they got- how it's running, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but uh, the, at that point, you have to say, like, well, what's driving this performance? Is it the CPU or the GPU? Like, and at that point, you don't really know. So like, for people who are maybe not as, um, I don't know, informed on this stuff, they might see that and, and get really hyped. But for us, we might be like, well, Still not sure, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, and that's kind of the approach that you should always take with these things. Yep. Yeah, but I, I think, I think they understand AMD, especially understands guerrilla marketing where, you know, thousands of people running to Reddit to write about it in Twitter. That's, that's worth more than a bunch of, you know, cynical hardware reviewers going, whoa, let's wait to see the last thing. Don't pre-order, right? They, <laughs> they understand the power of getting people amped up, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we we got to back, back on your your test rig thing, Brad. Uh, Evo Cotti Productions gave us another five dollars. Thank you. Uh, said food for thought. What if the RX six thousand series ends up scaling better at ten eighty p gaming uh, than Ampere? Could we see AMD GPUs in uh, your CPU test benches for the first time? Gordon actually does. Oh the yeah, CPU the CPU testing. testing so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, you know we that largely we don't you know we run games because we run games and there has been an amd gap that has been there forever ever since the original zen you know sometimes it's pretty close sometimes amd is a little faster oftentimes intel is 15 to 20 percent faster especially at less you know gpu bound resolutions right so i is it you know for me for the gps for the cpu side you know i i think one of the values though which would be interesting because um you know, one of the thoughts Brad brought up, I think, last week is that, you know, if ray tracing isn't as fast on Radeon, you know, RX 6000, but conventional gaming is is faster, it could be an interesting mix that a Radeon RX 6000 is the card you want to pair with your, your 1080p 500 hertz panel, right? Because maybe it's actually can hit those. 500 hertz. Well, you know, embargo. You just broke the embargo, man. Jeez. We're gonna we're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep going. But you know, there there is a valid reason for wanting to play 1080p at you know 500 frames a second, and um, it would be interesting if that's where uh, Ryzen or Radeon ends up being the strong point. It'd be oh, interesting so, to test. Yeah, I, I do want to ask now because we're we're clearly we even though I criticized it earlier, we are clearly 
we are clearly buying into the leak culture because everybody likes talking about leaks. It's all part, it's, it's all parts of our society, but I'm amped up. I'm hearing, you know, Zen three, I'm hearing 20% IPC increase. I'm hearing five gigahertz. That sounds awesome. It gets people amped up, but what the hell happens if this park comes up and it's four, five, four, three, four, four, sort of what we're sort of used to or four, two, right? Are people going to go, Oh, I thought we were going to get five gigahertz out of you. Does, so that's sort of like that, like really negative aspect of people getting amped up over, you know, a rumor that turns out to be totally wrong. Well, didn't that happen? Like, didn't that happen with the last launch? Weren't people saying five gigahertz last time? Yep. And I mean, that was clearly not going to happen, but it didn't stop people from believing it. So I, I that certainly, you, you being let down there, it didn't really hurt their um, their sales ultimately. But I think at launch, people are like, uh, "I'm not." I was kind of hoping for a little faster, but yeah. you know, at the same time, you you know, after you test those chips, you're like, "It doesn't matter." Like these, they're just so they're so good. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think it's going to happen either way. If if it actually turns out to be five gigahertz, you're going to have rumors before the launch that it's five point five. You know, like you're always going to have people who take it way too far. Yep. So, and, it, so Brian, and, and if they do manage to increase IPC, I mean, that's just as important, if not possibly more important for gaming performance. So, so Brian and and Brad are condoning talking about the leaks then. No, I just no. I needed to, to <laughs> write that down. It's funny. We actually we talk about leaks on here because they're fun. People like to talk about them, whatever. But there's a reason why we like almost never cover leaks at PCWorld.com unless there's something like truly ridiculous, which makes us go, hey, don't believe this leak. This is ridiculous. Here's why. Because you never know until the last minute, like what we were just talking about with these RTX 3080 cards, man. These cards don't get fully dialed in until the last minute. These not cards, hardware in general. People are working on this right up until launch. So always, always, always take the rumors with all sorts of grains of salt, punches of salt, to quote Donnie Brasco. Yeah, I do. Uh, also- I do. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, Gordon. Um, I, I do live streams every once in a while on my channel where I just do Q&A stuff, where I'm just trying to interact with my, my audience. And a lot of the questions that I get are rumor-based. And I will often... Um, defer those questions until a later time when I have more information, because I see the rumors that everybody else sees. I don't know what me speculating on that is going to do for anybody because I, what do I know? You know? Um, So I think that it's, it's important to always, you know, even if you want to stay informed and you want to read the rumors, that's fine, but you should always be a little bit conservative with your expectations and then you'll never be disappointed or, you know, Less often. Also, the uh, the man at Geek in chat says more B- BPS live streams, please. <laughs> hey, you're on one right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I am. Uh, here, how about this? What if uh, it's uh, seven nanometer is going to let them hit seven gigahertz? Yeah. <laughs> then we get that seven seven. I don't know. We could start that rumor is, right now. Could somebody could clip this. Yeah. Somebody could clip it. <laughs> Brad, Brad, if you say it right now. Good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> AMD. Zen 3, 7 nanometers, 7 gigahertz. You heard it here first. Well, I've got got a better one. 5 gigahertz Ryzen on AM5 on PCIe 5 with DDR5. Wow. Released on May 5th. Yes. (laughs) Of next year. 
Wait, is <laughs> yeah. that Star Wars? Oh, I forget. No, what no, no, that's May fourth. May fourth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, uh, and any more uh, any more speculation we we want to say on this N three stuff? No, I mean, I, I again, you know, it is fun to talk about it, you know, but clearly, leak culture is you know problematic. You know, it's fun to talk about it, but keep it, keep it in, you know, don't, don't go overboard. Don't go nuts with it. And, you know, again, I, I feel it's very fair because this is from PC Welt, not exactly rumor mongers out there. So I, I think it's, it's pretty solid if it's coming from PC Welt, I would think. But um, if that's true, though, I just think, you know, it's just like, right. That's just, it's got bad news written all over for those 14 nanometer Intel parts. They got to get. They got to get a 10 nanometer part out. They got to get one out. Yep. I am glad that they are sticking with the same platform. Like the, that is amazing to me considering that I guess I've been around for a while and I'm I'm used to the Intel, you know, TikTok cycle and then, you know, introducing a new socket every, every other chip. And this has been since 2017 now, and this is going to stretch into 2021 where we're still going to be able to build an AM4 system. That's yeah. pretty amazing to me, and I commend them for that. Yeah, I'm excited as a somewhat, believe it or not, frugal user. Uh, I always spend up on motherboards. Uh, I got a high-end Aorus X370 motherboard with a first-gen Ryzen chip in my system, and I'm very excited about the fact that once Zen 3 does come out, Ryzen 4000, 5000, whatever it's called, uh, I will be able to update its BIOS and then drop uh, uh, Ryzen 3000 series chip in it. That's ludicrous. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I agree too, because that's just, it is just nice. I know very few people ever do it. Um, I know gonna... people, it, I know it, it's, everybody thinks it's half the people with desktop PCs will go out, and, but very few people do. For For those people who can do it, it builds tremendous loyalty to your brand at that point, right? Because you can just make it live forever. And frankly, for someone who likes to make old hardware live longer, I, I think it's it's an awesome, awesome thing. Yeah, I would never jump one generation like uh, Ryzen 1000 to Ryzen 2000, but jumping from Ryzen 1000 to Ryzen 3000, that's valuable to me. So that's huge. I, I love it. Yeah. At the same time, there are, I, we can talk about this for hours, but there are reasons why you do have to break it sometimes because legacy yeah. can hold you back. It can really, really hobble you. So there's times when you just got to let go and people won't, they just won't like they will not like when they finally have to break a socket and people, they scream bloody murder about it. And I don't know how that's necessarily always fair. That's a can of worms, dude. <laughs> yeah. Right. We could go down for that forever. Uh, but I think we should get to the questions cause we got some really good ones piling up. We cool that. Yeah, yeah let's go. Right. Uh, the first one uh, comes in from uh, the YouTube chat, uh, Jaden uh, Carl He's he's been chatting for a while through this whole thing uh, with some of the other people in the comments. Uh, he has an old uh, Pentium-based uh, uh, system uh, that that he had bought. You know, asking about GPU upgrades. He's got a, a GTX 1650 in there, I think. You know, but essentially he he kind of needs a new system if he if he's going to go any further. But he's on a limited budget, uh, and you know he's he's starting to think maybe should I, I should get a console. Uh, so Gordon, help him out. Uh, do you have any recommendations on a site that sells cheap gaming PCs? Well, I, I think probably the best way to do it is, you know, local. It's, it's really tough right now because everybody's basically prices are crazy on all things, gaming, PC, console, handheld. 
you know, uh, you know, Craigslist, that kind of similar classified style is a good way to, you know, where you're not competing with the entire world on eBay is probably a good way to look. I think I that's recommendation. probably, yeah, go, go for it. Um, I do um, a good amount of buying on a Reddit, a subreddit called Hardware Swap. Yeah. And uh, prices are generally lower than Craigslist or eBay, and there's no bidding. So, oh, nice. Uh, it's just, it's direct peer-to-peer sales, and there's a, a feedback mechanism, so you know if you're buying from somebody trustworthy or not, and um, the people in there are generally really good to deal with. So if you're looking to save some money on maybe some second-hand hardware, like last-generation stuff, and especially upgrading from like a Pentium system or something like that, like give the, give them a look. So what do you actually, I, I do have some, let's, let's dive into that a little more. Cause when he said Pentium, I was thinking, or she said Pentium, I was thinking, damn, really Pentium, like old school Pentium, but this is probably what 1151, 1150X part. Uh, well, they just, see. they, they have a, they, they had built a, uh, a full PC, an Acer Aspire. Uh, it has an Intel Pentium G3240. Uh, do you think so. it's worth dropping in that generation's, because those Pentiums are dual cores. I don't even know if they had hyper-threading. Do you no. think it's worth going to a quad with hyper-threading? Or... No, no, I don't. I, 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 those, so those chips are still expensive. You're talking about like a 4790K or something. You, those, those are still going for like 180 bucks. You know, like, like 150 wow. to $180 <laughs> as far as I know. I'm like, this, that makes no sense. Like, go buy an AMD system. Like, even like Zen 1. AMD system, a Ryzen, a 1700X or something. Like you get those for super cheap and a whole setup that'll last you years. Here's the other question. 1650, it's an okay card. I wouldn't, it's long in the tooth. Where do you go from there? What's up? Because I mean, you could stick with that Pentium G. A lot of games will be fine with it. Go to a fatter GPU. Like what? 1070 Brad, maybe? Or My turn. 1660? Uh, 1650 is actually, I believe, the the most current 50 class card, so it's not long in the tooth. Uh, oh, okay. But if you're looking to get more gaming performance, obviously step up. Uh, I would say if you have a 1080p monitor, if you can look for something like the 60 class, they're they're great, or the whatever AMD's new mid-range parts wind up being. Like the 5600 XT right now is what it is, but... I those think those mid-range, cards. they're great, but I think, you know, with all these releases coming out over the next couple of months, if you can put off upgrading your GPU for a month or two, you'll get a lot more out of it. I pretty much always say buy now if you need now, but right now, like, I might wait a month or two to upgrade my graphics card because I think you'll get a lot more performance for your for your dollar, in, you know, a month or two. I mean, I think that Pentium is holding back that GPU, like, as... Yeah. as you know, it's not a super powerful GPU, but that 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 chip is is getting a little a little old. What about a non K part? I mean, forty seven ninety is you know was the top end part at the time. What about a you know a locked lower end non K quad? Just as kind of like a stop a stopgap, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, sh- are they cheap or are they? I mean, if it's like a forty dollar CPU on eBay. Sure. I mean, like if that's what he, I think that'll, that'll help him out a little bit, but I mean, ultimately at that point, you're still dealing with a DDR3 system yeah. and like uh, as well as what, what 2013? 2014? Like yeah. I mean, it's probably time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it, last question on that. And it, somebody asked this last week uh, and Gordon, I'm going to press you for another answer at what price point, 
should they just get a console? Say, you know what? I only have $400. All right, at that point, a PC isn't going to make sense. Just get a console. $500? Well, you have to remember... five fifty, six hundred. Just if, give me a price cord. No, I mean, clearly, if you're never going to have more than you know, $500, because that's, that's the buy into a new generation console. They're a spectacular deal for gaming, for console gaming. It is not PC gaming. It is just not PC gaming. And that's the one thing people should realize. If you're a PC gamer and yeah, you're happy with console gaming, hey, more power to you. But if you're really, you know, mouse and keyboard, that's how you've been playing and you're now suddenly stuck with this. It's just a very different experience. Yeah, for $500, you can't beat a console. But it's a very different style of gaming. I think that's the determining factor. If you really just want to play on your TV, then yeah, great. It's a. It's, I think five hundred dollars is is a, is a, a stupidly good deal for the new Xbox and the new PlayStation, right? But I yeah, do think sure. you have to realize it is not it is not PC gaming. If all your friends are on Steam and Epic and Ubi or wherever, maybe know, not Ubi. Yeah, not Ubi. <laughs> that, you have to factor I'm, all it in. It's just not. It's not this one for one thing. You know? I will say this though about consoles, uh, as as underpowered as they are versus premium PC hardware, they last a long time. Like you could buy a console, you could buy a new generation console and run it for five, five, six years, like until the next one comes out, and every game that releases will play on that console. Like you don't have to worry about that with PC. Like with PCs, it doesn't work that way. So Ring, ring of death. <laughs> <laughs> taking it back man i haven't heard that in a long time that's because they had a hundred percent failure on those things they had a hundred percent failure on a product that's I, it's not good I, I don't necessarily mean that i i just meant like the the games that are coming out are not going to yeah. be geared for for better hardware on that console that console is always going to be that way so um there are benefits there for sure um yeah. i i don't and I don't. If if people want to play on consoles, I never tell them not to. Like that. That's not what we're here for. I don't think. Yeah, it's whatever works for you. And and honestly, you are not going to touch for five hundred dollars. You are going to get. You are not going to touch it with the PC. It's just not even going to happen this time. So not right now, anyway. Well, yeah. and also that they they chimed in and said the reason I don't want to go console is I like to play on mouse and keyboard, uh, and I don't want to pay to play online. So. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, great reasons. Yeah, reasonable. I my kids are mad because uh, they can't play with their friends in Animal Crossing, or they can if they want to pay for it. But I'm not going to pay for multiplayer access. So Dude, we that's twenty dollars a year, man. Jeez. What? Yeah, Stingy. if they want it, they if they want to pay that twenty bucks, they can. I don't like paying. For <laughs> I don't know. We got all these access. super chats, you know. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, uh, just get them over to your your your, uh, your kids. Uh, but we did get five dollars from Matthew Lang. Uh, happy birthday, Matthew Lang. Uh, not a question. Just wanted to say it's good to see Brian on the full nerd. It sure hey, is. it sure is. I'm happy um, to be here. <laughs> we got a uh, a question a little bit earlier from a friend of the show, Dennis Siberian. Um, do you think Nvidia and Apple are investing in ARM uh, because they think that the future is in game streaming and virtual machines, so nobody will need a powerful computer? Hmm. I well, I, I have opinions like everybody. I think Apple, I'm not so sure Apple is going to be buying all in on ARM now, frankly, with if the NVIDIA deal goes through, I think there will be serious considerations as to the long-term future. Um, NVIDIA, yeah, this is, NVIDIA is, you know, that's, it has been NVIDIA's vision. It's been, 
let's let's be fair. It has been Jensen's vision from the beginning that the world is about GPUs, right? It's all about the GPU owning ARM. Whether who knows where that that brings him, but clearly he he does believe that the GPU is the number one thing in the world. It's always about graphics. I don't necessarily think that means he believes that streaming is the future. In fact, uh, the last CES or a couple CES ago, uh, he said that there will there will always be a place for a fast gaming PC, and he does not think streaming will ever replace it. I don't think owning ARM is going to change that. So I I don't believe that the future, and I also don't buy into the fact that streaming is the future. I know if you're an analyst, you're going to think that, but streaming is never going to replace the latency, the resolution, the performance, the texture, the sound, everything you're getting out of a really fast fat client. That's console, that's PC. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Interesting. Do you think there's any designs on doing anything, any building their own SOC? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, not replace doesn't mean that they will be, of course, building that because I do think everybody sees everybody paying 15 or $20 a month to play a game for stream games is an awesome place to be, but I don't think it will replace it. Do I think they will do? Yeah. I think you will see eventually NVIDIA graphics uh, in, in an arm chip. Why not? Right. Right. If they own he, it. He flat out said that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and what about, I mean, NVIDIA is already in the Nintendo switch. What if they try to make a push for the next, whatever the next P- Xbox PS5 is or PS6, whatever, you know. And then he was in the original Xbox, so. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. And they can make it. That's why AMD has been winning these consoles, because it can deliver the one chip that has everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, NVIDIA yeah. owning ARM, that might turn the tables. So we'll have to yeah, see but... seven years from now when the next generation of console yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it'll take time. <laughs> <laughs> but I know they've also publicly stated that the reason, like, they don't want to be in consoles, who knows whether it's just sour grapes, but they're like, there ain't no damn money in these things. We don't want to, like, sell these things below cost to somebody. It's just not worth it, you know? That's that's yeah. a publicly stated opinion. I, I don't know if owning ARM changes that or not. I'm going to bring back the Tegra name. That's my prediction. Oh, well, it's in the... Um, it's, is it still Switch. still called Tegra in the Switch? It, it is, it is yeah. still called that. But, yeah, it would be interesting it to is, see if yeah. that gets marketed more. But that's, yeah, I mean, the whole, if this whole thing goes through, talk about the world being flipped upside down, right? Yeah. Uh, here's a good one from the, the King Prawn uh, over on our Discord. If you want to ask a question anytime during the week, we have a full nerd question channel uh, on our Discord. Uh, put it in there, and, and we'll hopefully get to it on the show. Uh, they had asked uh, how, and I think this is a good one for Brian too. He's kind of a man of the people here. Uh, how much will normal people actually see, feel, experience uh, performance increases? You know, talking about moving from uh, from a, a, a you know a Ryzen part, you know, upgrading, or even from a you know, I, and I think they're talking about uh, CPU specifically. Oh. Um, y- it was a pretty general question. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I think like it depends where they're coming from. Clearly, like I, I think that it's it's. I often have an attack of conscience when I'm doing a video with a new component where I say this component is really good, is worth buying, because I, I always want to put a disclaimer on that to say that you don't, pro- you probably don't need it. Like it's worth buying, but don't buy it. Is kind of where you know, like I want to tell people that a lot, um, and. I think that if you're like, if you're coming from a place of that guy with the Pentium 
sure like absolutely it's worth it um but if you have a, a zen 2 chip already i mean you, you don't need a zen 3 chip if you're just gaming that doesn't make very much sense um and I, I try to tell people that, or I try to at least imply that a lot in, in um, the content that I make, that you have to make reasonable decisions for your situation. There are always people that are going to be out there who want the best just to want the best, just to have the best. And you're not going to stop them from buying the next thing, but to have, they ha- have to have reasonable expectations for what that's going, what kind of return they're going to get for that. Um, so as long as people are, are, Go ahead, go ahead, Adam. I, well, I was going to say I, I actually I missed their the beginning part of their question. They they had asked it a, a couple before. He said a lot of the rumors of the RX six thousand series clocked at two point five gigahertz for the GPU side. Uh, yeah, so he was asking about GPU specifically clock speeds on GPU. Well, no, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know because well, that was my first question when when Brad tested the the new uh, Nvidia patch. You know uh, that that bumps down max clock speeds i was like well what kind of a fps difference is that nothing um, yeah nothing which is weird because yeah. that's it's definitely different than the cpu side right i mean you know you bump down max clocks you're probably going to feel it to a certain degree no no i mean that's i mean that's i mean that's one of the problems we also are besides also the lead culture we're also in the 11 culture too because everybody wants to believe in 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 your brain, you think you're Steve at Gamers Nexus with a great big thing of liquid nitrogen behind you, right? In reality, you're Gordon Ung sitting here, like playing World of Warships. You're not going to feel a damn thing from losing 50 megahertz or two cores for most people. And people have realized it's you buy for what you're using, right? But I, I understand why people would want to be Steve from Gamers Nexus rather than Gordon from PC World, right? Because it's a lot better place to, 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 visit, to view yourself. I think it boils down to what are you doing now and what's falling short. Like, if you have a graphics card and you have a 60 hertz, 1080p or 1440p monitor, and the graphics card's doing it fine, uh, then paying a bunch of money to get a graphics card that puts out faster numbers, but you don't see it on your monitor anyway, you're just wasting your money at that point. I think this speaks a lot to um, marketing at this Mm -hmm. point. Marketing departments, I mean, obvious snafus aside, are getting really good at making people think that they need things. Like you used to have uh, advertisements on TV for like kids' toys in the 80s. I mean, I'm dating myself, I guess. But, you know, it was just showing a bunch of kids playing with the toys. And if you weren't interested in that toy, you're like, I don't need that. But now it's almost like marketing is directly in your head saying, if you don't get this, you won't be able to to play what's next or to to you know run that game or whatever. And it's it's convincing a lot of people that they need the hardware. And that's, I think, contributing to why the 3080 sold out and why everybody is hyped about the new AMD processors, even though they probably don't need them. It's a victory for marketing in a sort of evil way. <laughs> but, I mean, the people in those departments know what they're doing. Like, There's a lot of psychology behind that. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I, I do think it is we should also give them we should also give them points for actually actually offering more because um a a perfect example is high refresh panels right i and adam he did this as well with me at ces and elena did too but for a long time i really did not believe that high refresh rate panels 
made a difference for me because I suck. I mean, I just suck at games. What's the point, right? What the hell do I need 360 hertz panel for? I'm just terrible. It's not going to make me a better gamer. But I did demos with a high refresh rate panel that said, like, even I could actually benefit from a high refresh rate panel. So higher, you know, more frame rate, more. So that is, I think that's a worthy, worthy thing. So it's not all cynical. We're going to sell you material, but. No, no, their product, the products are, a lot of products are great. And that, that I mean, I'm not saying that, that there are people, that companies aren't making products that are worthwhile yeah. or that people shouldn't buy them. But I think that there are more people now that think that they need them than actually need them. And that in itself is a victory for marketing departments yeah. over reason, I guess. Yeah, I agree with you because we see the same thing played out in laptops right now where, you know, an eight core CPU and a, you know, 13 inch, two and a half pound laptop is suddenly what you have to have. It's like to run office and Chrome. I mean, I have people saying, no, you really need it to run Chrome. It's like to run Chrome on your 13 inch screen. You really need, which I think 16 threads on a laptop is fantastic if you can use it, but there's people who really, and it gets right to your point. There's people who like absolutely will insist that you need that. So I, right. I, what do you think? Is he putting something in the water or the, is it something <laughs> cereal? I, I don't. That's why I drink coffee almost exclusively. <laughs> boils yeah. away all that stuff, you know. Coffee made with coffee. That's <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> we got a super chat, $5 from uh, Jeremy at, at Tiniza. Uh, said, uh, not a question, uh, but uh, I love how the market was trending towards ITX. And then when the 380 dropped uh, and only the Founders Edition and one uh, AIB card uh, fits a truly small form factor, they're going back to ATX. So This card, uh, the two-slot EVGA card. This there card is great. It's the only two-slot card except for the Founders, I think. Really? I think and that'll so. fit it. Wow, that looks like a standard. That should fit Ooh. in most ITX cases. This- this is the size of um, the like the twenty series FE cards. Well, no, that's a Radeon card you have though. <laughs> no, this one? yeah, look, see, it's, it's, it's got oh, the yeah. wrong color. It's got the it's got the frowny face on yeah, it. I saw somebody put you the know, eyes on it. It's pretty good. You, you yeah. know exactly the next day that like somebody like somebody at EVJ was sitting there. It's like, hey, who's calling? Oh, Jensen wants to talk to you. Hey, you know our color, right? What color is our color? <laughs> what color did you put on that card? Uh, red. Yeah, that that thing's ugly, but you can pop it off. Just for anybody looking at the four one three, you can pop that off. Just so people know, yeah. <laughs> or the X three, which X C three, I think. Uh, you know how is, yeah. you know how hardcore Nvidia is about their color. Like even their yeah. card should have that thing. If they had an RGB G four symbol, it would leave the red out of it. It would like every color but red. You know, <laughs> it'd just be GB. GB. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Uh, I have a question. I have a question for Brian. Oh no! Oh no! Yes. Just yes. it's it's kind of it's you know because you do build so many systems, right? And a lot yeah. of people are getting into building systems and gaming for the first time because this year everyone's home. They got money because yeah, they didn't go on sure. vacation. If someone's getting into gaming and wants to build their p- first PC for the first time, what's some high level advice that you would give them? Like, what should people be looking for if they just want to get into it? They don't know anything. They just stumbled across the stream. Uh, I think that there's so much information out there now that you should be able to 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 figure out what works for what you need um, a lot easier than you did 10 years ago. And I think that um, people need to approach things like PC building with a with a budget 
and they should stick to that budget because there's a reason that you set a budget for other things in your life. And it seems like when it comes to PCs, people are like, I'm spending a thousand dollars and then a GPU becomes like comes into stock and you're like, uh, wait, no, I'm going to buy that instead. You know, <laughs> it just seems like if you have, if people have the opportunity to buy these parts, they jump at it and it, you should stick to your budget. And that's something that I also tr- try to do in my builds is, if I say, if I, if I have a build on the channel that I'm doing with a price target, say a thousand dollar build, my parts list that I put together is not going to be a thousand and fifty dollars. It's going to be $990. It's going to be under that thousand dollar threshold because I think it, it's important to set your limits and know what you can uh, afford to spend because you, things get out of control real quick. Um, but I think at this point, like if you, it, it's not, it's hard for me to, to say you shouldn't build with Intel because there are certainly some scenarios where you should, but for most people, I think going AMD is just the answer at this point. Um, figure out what your CPU needs are, and then you could budget for an appropriate GPU after that. Um, you know, there's, like I said, there's enough tutorials out there, enough build guides. I have enough videos on the channel with different price points. You know, there's a lot of content out there that you could use as a guide. And most of the time it stays relevant for, I don't know, a release cycle at least, right? So even a year, if it's a year or something, um, and just do your research, don't just jump into it because you see your friend has a PC and you're like, I want that exact thing. Like that's, you probably need something different and just figure out what it is for you. Awesome. And that is, again, part of the reason I find your channel so valuable because you do have builds at all these different price points. It goes into the thought process behind it and what you get out of it. So thanks Thanks. for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. I hope it wasn't over general. No, that's exactly (laughs) what I was looking for because I know people who are like, Brad, I I have money. I just I want to start gaming. I've been home forever. What should I do? Now I can just send them this clip. Yeah, figure out a budget is the, is the very first thing. Figure out a budget because people come at you with like a like I could spend I could spend I have there's no budget. Okay, well here's a ten thousand dollar system. Oh, yeah. I can't I can't spend that. All right, well then you have a budget. Figure out what that budget is. <laughs> nice. Um, I I should have checked this earlier. Brian, do you have a, a hard out? Uh, do you, do you have time for some more questions or? I have. I could do a couple more. Couple, not not a whole lot more. A couple more. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Uh, I yeah. don't even know how to pronounce this name. Geo Xavier. I'm gonna call it that. Gave us uh, 50 rupees. Thank you. Uh, it's a two part question, so I, I want to get everyone's take on on these. Um, first part: At 27 inches, does 4K look any better than 1440p? When they're talking about a monitor, not a TV. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Gordon. Well, deep. it depends on what better means. <laughs> Was that a Clinton reference? I, <laughs> that's a, to 1998? It's the only president I can do. I mean, I, I, I vote for people who, like, I can do impressions of. Like, if I can do an impression of them, then, hey, maybe it's worth voting for them. No, I, I've just learned to do that one. I, I think it, Matt, it depends. It just depends. What's better? In gaming? Uh, yeah, it's you definitely it. better than 1080p, but... <laughs> I think you can have, see it. I'd rather I don't, have 1440 at 27 is what I'd say. So I, I agree with that. That's what I was going to get to. Like you can see it if you have a 22, 27s next to each other. But I think if you're going to get a 4K monitor, you want to be at 32 inches. I think that's probably the better idea. Spend more money on a higher refresh rate if you're going to stay at 27. But if you're Adam, you do video editing. Yes, definitely more pixels. Definitely right? 4K. Yeah. Um, 
at 27 inches for sure. All right, so then here's here's part number two. Uh, would you rather have a, a 32 inch 4K 60 frame per second monitor or a 27 inch 1440p 165 hertz monitor? Boy, yeah. I would rather have 1440p high refresh rate. I'm all about the speed. Uh, you can power it with a lot less GPU than you would need to get 4K 60. And 144 hertz, once you get used to it, stepping back to 60 is no... I, you see a huge difference going from 1080p to 1440p. Me, at least, I don't see a huge visual difference going from 1440p to 4K. You can see the differences if you're talking about gaming and stuff like that. But you will feel the speed so much more, in my opinion. But so, it's also uh, the difference to... between 27-inch and 32-inch. Right. I My preference would be, it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm basically sitting in front of that screen all day doing work, I would take the real estate 4K on a big panel. is You can't beat it. Um, if it were basically playing games all day, I would take that you know 1440 high refresh rate over a 4K easily. I personally use a 32-inch 4K 60 panel. Um, so, I, I mean, I, that's what I prefer for what I need to do. Um, but I think if I, right, if I was just gaming, I probably want the higher refresh rate. Yep, I'm, I'm on the 32 4K bandwagon too. All right, fun. Uh, that's, that was a good one. Uh, all right, so let me get a couple more here. Um, here we go. Uh, Corbin D, friend of the show, uh, asked, with upcoming XE and Intel as a potential third competitor in the discrete GPU market, do you think a three-party market will work out? Or will, again, one company be left behind and we go back to a two-party competition situation? I think it'll depend on what Intel tries to do. I mean, if they're just looking to do their own discrete graphics and pump out a bunch of ones for the big boxes that you buy at Best Buy or Walmart or anything, they don't need a 3080 competitor. So, I mean, I think there's definitely room for three different companies to be competing in three different ways or even head-to-head. Who knows? Yeah, I think there's room for three as well. Intel's fate is tied to graphics at this point. It's clear NVIDIA's shown that way. AMD's not going to give up graphics. NVIDIA definitely isn't. And all three are going to be around for the foreseeable future. So I think it'll be this way for at least a decade. Yeah, I think it depends entirely, like what Brad said, on what Intel actually brings to market. It's entirely possible they, they just focus on the low end market and people kind of ignore them for the most part when it comes to discrete applications. Um, if they decide to bring the hammer down, I'm sure they have the ability to do that at some point. Um, so, and people know them. They're, they have a huge mind share. So if, they, if you see an Intel, whatever they're going to name it, a graphics card versus next to uh, an AMD and an NVIDIA one, you probably consider it strongly if, it's, if the performance is comparable. Normal people know the ins- Intel inside jingle. Uh, most of the normal people that I, who aren't techies that I know couldn't tell you what AMD or NVIDIA is. Yep. All right. Uh, two more. Uh, friend of the show, Boria Zero, over on Discord said, uh, with 3080 pre-orders now open at most major retailers, when can we expect these GPUs to launch? <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. That's. Uh, <laughs> womp womp. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, man, 
That's like how, that's how Led Zeppelin got the name of their band. What? <laughs> I'm all kinds of confused now. Yeah, I need I missed, I missed that one. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a famous story. They were basically sitting around, probably just smoking dope all day, and say, "Man, if we don't get it together, this band is gonna sink like a Led Zeppelin." Like that oh. joke. See, Ken? like uh, that joke. Like that. Joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one, uh, Benito. Um, could we ever see SATA ports going the way of the dodo and di- disappearing off motherboard PCBs for the average consumer, or is it just too convenient with nothing to replace that space? I could. I, I don't. I, I could see it at some point. Like I don't think it's inconceivable that that happens, but that's not anything that's happening in any any version of the future for like for however long like a long time you'll still see him gordon what do you think yeah no i totally agree it's like yeah one day we'll go away with the floppy drive and optical drive but that if you're going to wait for that i wouldn't hold your breath all right all right cool well uh man that was fun uh let's uh let's get out of here i need to eat some lunch all right. Check back next week for your fix of PC Talk and the Full Nerd for audio listeners. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. And also, please de- leave a review. Every time you do, a joke goes over like a Led Zeppelin. Send questions <laughs> and comments at thefullnerd.pcworld.com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with Brad Charkas. Go subscribe to BPS Customs. You won't regret it. Brian Stroh, good... thank you very much. You are welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. It was fun. And Adam and Patrick Burns can hit the off switch. That was a good time. And uh, Brian, thank thank you for being here. Uh, I'll I'll eat one of these uh, pieces of gum for you. Uh, <laughs> doesn't do me any good. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know if it's worth getting. All right. <laughs> All right. Cool. See everybody. Bye.